You're listening to Undo Radio. It's your host, Naivasha, and this is episode four. I'm in studio with a dear friend, someone I've known for many years, and now we see each other more than we ever have. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's up, Sahara? Naivasha. Hey, How you living? Good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, thanks for being here. We also have Josh Cruz in the building. He's not going to say anything because his <laughs> mic doesn't have a... <laughs> it's not plugged in, but he's here, and I just want to give him a shout out. Um, Sahar is an artist, a multidisciplinary artist amongst so many other things. Please share with our audience what else you do. Vash <laughs> is like, how can I introduce you? And I'm like, this and this and that. She's like, mm-hmm. why'd you do it, Sahar? So, <laughs> I got you. Um, yeah, so I refer to myself as a multidisciplinary artist. My primary mediums these days are photography and writing, and I also am a community facilitator. Essentially, I endeavor to explore the intersection of art, media, culture, healing, and social change in the many ways that that can be explored. Um, we talk about a little bit of everything here. Um, current topics that we're dealing with in the next issue of the magazine, things that are just current events. I was thinking about things and I was like, I can't talk about R. Kelly, right? Great. Mm-hmm. So I won't. Um, but I do want to talk about something that I think you already touched base on and just started on conversation with was how to say what you mean and mean what you say. Mm-hmm. Um, since you're all about words. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funny. That's really what I pulled up for our conversation topic. And then I also have yeah. some questions for you. For sure. Um, so yeah. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Saying what you mean and meaning what you say in today's age. Saying what you mean, meaning what you say. Uh, I mean, immediately the first thing that comes to mind is heart. Um, I think what I have been increasingly focused on as I come into my personal development and growth and unfolding, I'm very into energy, metaphysics, and I also consider myself a spiritual person, is just being embodied. And being embodied to me means coming from your heart and and your felt uh the, the, the felt sense of being as opposed to the thought sense of being. And so I think saying what you mean um, is effectively a, a har- harmonization or resonance or flow between the heart and the mind. And then meaning what you say is going to be a natural act if it is just coming from the heart and your, your truth in the first place. And so just to tie that in a bit further, within uh, Taoism, within Buddhism, Taoism is uh, uh, in, in, like a, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's, a, it's, I guess you could see a belief system or a cosmology, and it is also very closely tied with Chinese, uh, traditional Chinese medicine, and that's what acupuncture and Qigong and Tai Chi and all of those things are born out of. So um, within Taoism, within Buddhism, and a couple other traditions, the there's a term called the heart mind. And basically it sees um, the, the heart as having its own intelligence or the heart and the mind actually being one in their mm. highest state. It, it is just like a divine union and flow. And to take that one step further um, in Taoism, Qigong, traditional Chinese medicine, similar to chakras, there where in the uh, there are many chakra systems actually I learned an 11 chakra system what we know in the west mm-hmm. is typically the seven chakra mm-hmm. system within 
yoga. Um, so the, the analog to that in Taoism and traditional Chinese medicine are, they're called Dantians, which are three main energy centers. And there is the upper Dantian, which is the head, the middle Dantian, which is the heart, and the lower Dantian, which is uh, the, the gut or your belly area. And that's um, because it's the closest to earth where you um, get your grounding. No your booty chakra. <laughs> all the things, yeah, all the things. Okay. And, then, um, and then your heart is, you know, um, opportunity for, you know, this heart wisdom and expansion. And then your head obviously um, ties to both your mind and also expansion and your connection to source. And each of those Dantian's energy centers are said to have their own brain, their own intelligence. Mm -hmm. So that's yet another expansion on the heart yeah, mind. Yeah, the booty doesn't have a brain. <laughs> the booty, um, actually, like, it, you could, you could kind of get a brain out of that, too. Yeah. Some people have brains in their booty. <laughs> when they learn how to move them, like, I'm like, that has to have a mind of its own. Um, Go ahead. There was an incident that happened, like, pre-Christmas with... Okay. Uh, I think I'm getting you think it. you know what I'm talking about? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with um, a man and woman. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, it, and it had to do with uh, a certain form. consent. It had to deal with consent. Great. Yeah. I okay. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? There yes. You. Yeah. So things like that. Yeah. Um, because I think that while scrolling through the comments, which many many people did in that mm. moment, your name stuck out a lot, and I was mm. like, but she's trying to reiterate a point. And she's not stopping until that point is made clear. And I appreciated that because it was you just holding your ground in what your point was that you were trying to make with so many people who were leaving comments and captions and things like that. And so what's that for you in that experience? I don't really engage in a lot of conversations and comments and things like that, but I know that it's important for people to do so. Yeah. So, yeah. What's that like for you? Yeah. <clears throat> so I'll start off with the comments and then I can get into my captions. Yeah. And funny enough this topic has been something um, percolating in my internal mind over literally um, the last couple of days. Oh, so it's okay. timely as well. I love it. Um, so in terms of commenting on other people's um, posts, engaging community conversation or offering my perspective to a conversation that's been opened or already being had. And specifically in that instance, I very much remember commenting. I remember having a bit of a contentious or what other people were trying to make a contentious exchange. I can't remember the exact everything, but <clears throat> can I, can I be ex explicit in so many terms of what the topic of conversation was? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was basically about sexual assault and that is a very, uh, a dear topic to me, I guess you could say it's, uh, it's, uh, I have a, visceral visceral reaction to it in, in certain regards and and it's not a mental choice mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's something that I I feel really deeply about and the more and more I learn about it and in, in terms of the parameters surrounding it and the experiences of other people the more I feel like uh, expansion is needed on all sides uh, mm -hmm. you know for all parties in 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 this cultural um, tragedy and phenomenon. So with that being said, I think that there are a lot of distortions in that space mm -hmm. in terms of perception. And I think, so I was initially just automatically triggered or, or not, not even triggered, but uh, just 
uh, viscerally connected mm -hmm. to uh, what was shared. I felt like it was really important because uh, the woman who shared, um, you know, her story was not a celebrity. Mm -hmm. She was a black, she's a black woman. Um, and it was, you know, in regards to someone also in our general community. These were both people, the man and woman people in our community. And one thing that I've seen um, shared on the internet a lot, which is a really, really valid point, is that the Harvey Weinstein thing can jump off and become this huge thing. Um, and and we're, we don't have to get deeply into R. Kelly, but like the R. Kelly thing was always brought up. What, what about this guy that has for a decade been, you know, this guy, this one journalist, I forget his name, in the Ch Chicago Sun-Times, wrote a long ass couple exposés on dude right. and I read them. Right. And and every single time R. Kelly's name comes up, there's so many people, black and brown people included in my community that are well-intentioned, you know, loving people that are acting like, and not even acting like, that are that are behaving in a way that it's clear that they're hearing this for the first time mm -hmm. or it's the first time they've wanted to hear it. Mm -hmm. And that blows my mind. So similarly, um, when, you know, all these white women were, were getting their justice, so to speak, because of the domino effect of Harvey Weinstein, there were so many people of color mm -hmm. speaking out and saying, what about the black women and girls? What about the brown women and girls? What about all these victims of R. Kelly mm -hmm. that are not getting their due justice? And the crimes and injustices are out here in front of us in plain sight for a decade. And so from that, people were further expanding that to, to talk about what are we then doing in our communities for the no-name person, for the not the celebrity or the Hollywood person or the, the musician or whomever. Yeah. What about justice for the everyday person? And what about justice for the everyday black and brown person? Yeah. And, and the celebrity black and brown people, unfortunately. But, you know, what we can deal with and what our spaces as are as everyday people, what about just us and our people? And yeah. so what that post of that woman in our community triggered for me was that. Mm -hmm. It was a moment for that. I can't, I, I think I viscerally reacted to that and immediately um, applauded that bravery because that in, in and of itself is, is huge. Mm -hmm. I think that, there were certain ways about how she chose to present what she did retrospectively. I had a little bit of cognitive dissonance about so strongly aligning myself with mm -hmm. it because I didn't fully resonate with the way that she shared things. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, you know, that's none of my business at the end of the day. Yeah. And um, ultimately, I think it mattered to me enough just that she did it at all. Yeah. And so because of that, Inevitably, why don't we call this out in our communities? Because you get all the trolls, all the haters, all the women with internalized misogyny and self-hate, mm -hmm. um, the, the rape culture that permeates all gender identities showing up, yeah. which it did yeah. in the comments in full force, you know, and, and the man, you know, being whom he is, I don't think he's evil. I don't really know him. I have friends that know him. Mm -hmm. And from what I know, he was really shook. Because in certain ways, he maybe kind of knew what he did. In other ways, maybe he didn't. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's because of, again, how we are indoctrinated, how, what is normalized. And so I felt a responsibility is why I showed up in the comments. I'm not a person to really ride comments like that. I'm 
you know, an in-person live conversation type of person because I feel like I express better that way. I feel like healing and exchange and conversation and tone is, is better expressed and digested and received. So I don't feel like there's some people that do online exchanges in depth really well. Mm-hmm. I don't have the energy or desire for that really. <laughs> <laughs> but when you do do it, you yeah. get your point across. And I think that, yeah. I think in looking at it, that was important for me to see that it was like, it doesn't matter like what side you're on. I don't even think you were on a side. You yeah. were making a point. And that yeah. point just needed to be read by everyone who was just reading in the comments, reading yeah. everything else. Since, yeah. since there was one girl writing. Mm-hmm. Remember her? Going on everybody's thing, trying to negate them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and create conflict. And so it's just being on the other side yeah. of that saying, hey, this just needs to be out there. I know we had a conversation with my mom recently and we talked about like this uncle in my family that touched everybody. Mm. And she, they, everyone allowed it. They finally had a conversation about him now. He's dead and gone. But they were like, yeah, Lewis used to touch every woman in this family. And we just allowed it because it was one of those things that you're, you just knew was going to happen, but no one was going to do anything about it. Yeah. And because no one was going to do anything about it, everyone was a victim except yeah. for me. I wasn't going to allow it because yeah. I liked to bite when I was younger. <laughs> um, but I think with that, and getting the point across of, you know, saying what you mean, how important is it for you to kind of make these uh, boundaries clear with people now and being very clear about what you're about and who you are as a person and kind of setting boundaries with people that you come in contact with today? I love that. <laughs> I um, I just met with my energy worker right before coming here. Um, I meet with an energy worker weekly, what as one might with a ther- Where at? therapist. Um, it's over Skype. It's, oh. it's remote. A lot of healers work remotely. And so we, we work by transmuting things through conversation and then also through more traditional just energy work, working with shifting my energy. And actually, um, I brought up with her in this session the finding the balance between flow and being in love and integrity, mm-hmm. like in love as in universal love, being love, you know, Mm -hmm. just as a way of being and being in your integrity by virtue of that and balancing that with boundaries. Mm -hmm. So then again, you're bringing up boundaries. It's great. So um, we're all in line today. I fucking love it. Um, So boundaries. Yeah. I think it it kind of ties in a little bit, uh, address it in a couple different ways. The one thing that comes up for me first is why what i'm and and it's a very relevant lesson for me now and i feel like it's kind of the the value theme i've decided for myself this year actually and it's it's called opting out of the game Mm. basically uh, from a metaphysical standpoint energetic standpoint um we are we're oneness we're all just reflections of the same source energy whether you call that source source or god or the divine or whatever what do you call it? Um, I haven't been using the word God that much these days. So I, I use probably source universe a lot these days. Okay. Yeah. Divine. I always want to know those things. Because, yeah. you know, when people watch Oprah <laughs> and they want to know what she believes in. She calls they, it spirit. Yeah, because they want to believe with what whatever Oprah <laughs> believes in. Yeah, you want to believe what I believe? Yeah, I just want to know I what, what you call it. <laughs> yeah, because every time she has a different guest on, she kind of changes it up. And oh, you know, interesting. My mom watches her heavy and she's okay. like, 
she said spirit today, but the other day she said Jesus. And you're, like, you're like, what? What does Oprah believe in? So, okay. But I think that's so dope because it's like she's just speaking to people about the same thing in the language that hits with them. And for yeah. me, that's such a beautiful way to be. And I really endeavor towards that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then let's be on our Oprah and fill in your blank when I'm talking about this because it's really all the same. Um, but yes, I believe that we're all reflections of just one pure source energy and we are all that. How I've seen someone articulate it really beautifully is think about, you know, source energy as like our physical body right now. Mm -hmm. The, the finger is still part, is, is still, is so distinct in its own way, but it's still part of the entire body. It's still the same thing. Yeah. And so in looking at, um, oneness and consciousness as, as that and not to get too deep into cosmology but like and i'm still unpacking mine cosmology being like the whole why are we here and why mm -hmm. did this happen and where is it going thing i do think that this human experience this three-dimensional human human experience is not the full extent of all that there is mm -hmm. i feel like it is a an exercise of sorts or an experience of sorts meant for us to transcend certain things and for those you can fill, up the, fill in the blanks, it can be a, you know, a lifelong conversation. And for that reason, you know, when we talk about unfolding and awakening, it's, it's unfolding back to our true nature, to stripping off the conditioning. And so mm -hmm. that conditioning is what I'm talking about is the game. You know, like this, I like, that. like yeah. me being Sahar, I'm not even Sahar. Like I'm getting very esoteric and existential about it, but like, the color, you know, color, when you think yeah. about color, color isn't even color. It's like refracted light or whatever the fuck. Like, I mean, my energy worker said when she has tapped into, you know, her uh, certain expansive states of being, she literally can tell that the that she's like, this table isn't real. Nothing's in this physical realm is fully real mm -hmm. there because what is real is just almost like everythingness and nothingness yeah and so to not get too deep into that to use that as a starting point to be that what causes us pain is over identifying with the role mm -hmm. of, of and then in that when it comes to interpersonal and the role can be the role that your brain is playing your ego is playing in your head in your own internal world and that's its own storyline to unpack and pack and um kind of detach from. And then in the interpersonal dynamic, we have all kinds of roles that we decide to engage in. There are the more formal labeled roles of parent, child, boyfriend, girlfriend, friend and friend, whatever. But then within those roles, we develop stories yeah. about how historically a certain person has behaved. And that means based on those mechanisms, that's how we're always going to respond. Extrapolate that further out into society, the good guys, the bad guys, the Trump supporters, the not mm -hmm. Trump supporters. We begin operating in these roles that we imprison ourselves into. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to back to that comment stream or being in my truth and setting boundaries, one really beautiful way that I'm unpacking to set boundaries is to one always come from a place of unconditional love because that is truly the fabric of who we are yes and then realize that there is no separation to begin with right and then two to opt out of the role that is literally my go-to phrase this year it's just in my head i'm like it's my anchor i'm like opt opt out of the um opt out of the game opt yeah. out of playing the role and so in a dynamic with someone if something isn't working for me um, that I feel like isn't in service of the higher good for all of us or is is causing me undue tension, 
I set a boundary there and lovingly and say, hey, I'm, I'm actually not going to even choose to engage this mm -hmm. dynamic because if you do not respond back in kind, it loses its power. But here is what I will offer you, which is unconditional love. And so I really tried to be in that, in that exchange and say, I honor your truth. This is mine. I hope for all of our liberation that you find some resonance in it. If you don't, peace be with you. But this is as far as I can go in the conversation now. And I hope I whoever's live. listening wrote that down because <laughs> we're going to have to write that down and share that with the audience is what to take with you into this new year. I think Diddy put a meme or something up that was very similar to like mm. next time someone tries to argue with me or whatever this year, my response is going to be okay. Mm. <laughs> and that's it, you know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, that's for me. My boundary is just saying okay to people and kind of moving on. Yeah. But I like your version too. That makes people feel like you love them as well, which I know I don't. I need to do better at doing because yeah, just I'll saying do. okay and not answering is like, I love you, but from way over there. Yeah. Um, but you know, like honestly, even even love and credence to that, right? Yeah. Because it's a block building thing. If okay is where you need to start, because that's how you're organized and that that's what you feel like the strength and and whatever you can muster for right now. Then let let yourself have okay like how I got here today where I am so far and I have so much more to go this is a fucking baby ass block building ass process yeah, yeah. You know I like to I mean? say baby bites like <laughs> big apple and baby bites yes. and that's how you're gonna devour the entire thing especially yeah. with here but looking for a place to take your friends that's fun hip and full of food <laughs> stop on by Canal Street Market we're on Canal Street are you a business looking for creative services? Well, don't fret. We Ascend is in place to make sure you get the job done. Hit us up at WeAscendNYC or WeAscend.NYC. Do you have any mentors? I wish I did. I always wish I did in, in the formal sense, but in the formal sense, I would probably say, I would say no. And in the more nebulous sense i guess you can say my energy worker is a mentor of sorts um where'd all this wisdom come from you've yeah. been coursing the world in a very wise way so where did it all come from who you've been learning from um in terms of the type of topics that we've been talking about right now i would definitely say um this learning has come from therapy i was in therapy for seven years um my therapist takes a very holistic approach mm -hmm. Um, I was in that from 2010 to 2017. And then I've been with my energy worker from 2014 until now, so four or five years. And she's played a huge role in it. And then I was introduced to Qigong in 2012. And um, that was a really um, transformative experience for me when I first learned it, which then unfolded into me learning different types of uh, energy healing modalities, further uh, deepening my what I now understand to be the universe and the, how I'm articulating these things and it led me to my energy worker. So I would say those are the three things, various types of energy work uh, through Qigong, energy work with my energy healer and therapy. Together, they, you know, really just, I worked on my body, mind, my body, mind connection, uh, which is such a real last thing and is actually, um, gaining significant credence in even the Western allopathic medicine world now. Mm -hmm. um, it's not only like a woo-woo thing 
or a natural doctor thing anymore. I'm reading more and more about how Western doctors are actually prescribing their patients things like meditation. Mm-hmm. And sunlight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? Yep. Um, I'm doing really bad on my interview questions right now. I'm no, like you're staring not. at you deeply and I'm like, I had it on the tip of my tongue and I didn't write it down. So where's your community of energy workers, healers here? Do you have a community here that kind of resonates on that, that level? Uh, in terms of uh, people who I receive like treatment from? Or, my, or just my peeps? Yeah, just your peeps who definitely are in the same world of understanding as you are as you're growing in this. Yeah, oh, that's... um. Are you working on that community? I'm working on that community. Okay. So, yeah, I think that's a great question, though, because um, for anyone listening that has gone through any version of, you know, um, deep personal growth, even if that was just a moment and a second that you, you realize something that changed your whole life or it's been a week's, months or years long deep exploration for me, it's been some years. And um, a few years ago, I had a, a very deep transformative point where I kind of became a hermit monk person mm-hmm. and made healing my full-time job for about six months to a year. And it created a lot of dissonance and a lack of, uh, I guess, a missing understanding in mm-hmm. my closest friendships. Mm-hmm. And it it made me retreat even further. And I was really alone. And um, in the beginning, that not being misunderstood and loneliness was extremely painful. Is it was more painful than the pain that I was work doing radical work on, yeah. on moving through. And so the last few years for me had been quite isolated and solitary, often much more than I would have liked. And for me, I've always been picky with friends, but it's it's reached a point now where I look at friends in terms of closer friendships, people I'm really giving my limited time and energy to as one would discern and select a romantic partner. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I need them to be that good of a fit for me. So mm-hmm. I've met beautiful, amazing people over the last few years and beyond, but haven't felt the click with most people, yeah. you know what I mean? And certain people I felt the click with, but they already have their tribe or their parents, or they don't live here, or, you know, they just have a lot on their plate and love and respect to them. And like, whenever we connect, it's beautiful. And, but in terms of having regular players in my life that are my people, I'm definitely working on that and trying to be in grace and patience about that. I think we all are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I got to a point where, because I'm so friendly sometimes, I'm meeting people and making connections without making really deep connections with people. And then somehow I feel obligated to strengthen those relationships because I've just met someone and said, hey, we're cool. We should hang out, you know, without really knowing them or letting that go on for decades, you know, and then trying to like get deep with people later on after you realize you really weren't supposed to connect with them. But the Internet has somehow put you in a room with with somebody and now you're trying to figure out what you have in common with them. I've been dealing with that a lot in LA um, where I thought I had a community and yes, I've had some people, but a lot of that was built up off of my space and just being like, Hey, they're into the same music I'm into. We're friends. Mm -hmm. We all hang out. We're at the same party. We're friends. And then like a decade later, you're getting to know people and you're like, I don't know anything about you or what I do know about you is disturbing. And I just let it slide because I didn't know that much about you. How do you take meeting new people and new relationships out here? <sighs> what you're saying is so relevant. I literally, I don't know if I saw something. So it was probably somewhere on the internet, but literally that articulation of not everyone you meet 
um, and kind of get along with, you have to make your friend. There was, mm-hmm. there was an amazing like quote or something I read like yesterday, I think. And so that is so fucking real. I think so many people resonate with that. And I think that in, in certain senses, even though I was, I was very much boundaries in terms of who I would let in as friends, I, I did a, a version of that too, at some point in my life. Um, I think what's really challenging in a world and where I'm trying to create a world of opting out of a game, how do you choose to opt out of the game while, while simultaneously most of the world is still opted into the game, right? And yeah. why I'm bringing that back in again is even when we lovingly create boundaries with another person, because I deal with this a lot. I'm, la- I'm glad that you asked this question. I've never really had this conversation out loud is people all the time. We should hang out sometime, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't want to be dishonest, so I don't want to be like, yeah, you know, but then I don't want to be like, no, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and I really am constantly playing with how to respond in love in a way that isn't pushing up against other people's conditioning or trauma or mm-hmm. triggers or their role playing of the game of making me the rejector and them the rejected, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do I opt out of the game? Um while while not pushing up in, in in against someone else's conditioning and i think again going back to what i said about expansion earlier when you're being your true embodied expanded self operating from your truth and heart space from a vibrational energetic level higher vibrational energetic uh higher vibrational energy when it comes into contact with lower vibrational energy on a little on a scientific level it naturally raises the, the the lower vibrational energy right. it comes in contact with. Right. So that's something that's comforting to me. The more that I'm operating from my truth, eventually it will elevate those around me out of their conditioning as well. So one thing in terms of words that I'll play with is, you know, sometimes I will say, you know, yeah, I, I can't help it, you know, yeah. but, um, but kind of like timidly. So, so maybe they'll get the point, but I might say something like, um, oh yeah, we should hang out. I'll be like, yeah, I'd love to see you around sometime. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I look forward to the next time seeing you. Um, and so that's honest, but yeah. it's, it's not saying that I am offering a commitment to make plans with you. And so, you know, that can be its own conversation, but that is something I try to do. And it is heartbreaking for me, but it's, it's, it's necessary for all of us. Other yeah. people deserve people that who are fully resonant with them as well as yeah. I do. I usually am like, you know, send a calendar invite because most people won't. <laughs> so yeah. if you're really about it, you'll at least send a calendar invite yeah. and we'll get to know like the yeah. first stage of this and then yeah. go from there. Yeah. But yeah. that's about all I get. Yeah. I get so overwhelmed by the people immediately. They, people just want connection so badly. I do too. But I just am not willing to compromise on what it is. I rather spend time alone. And I do. And so, you know, the, 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 I think people say it without even thinking about it. It's almost this like uh, visceral reflect, reflexive thing. If they have a moment of connection with you, we should hang out. We should hang out. And it's like, if you said yeah to every single person that said we should hang out, then hanging out becomes a job, which I've done that before. Yeah, and I, that's and no, no fun. That doesn't pay the bills. And for <laughs> me, either. it's like value as well. And yeah. so even some of those newer people, my first point of entry was, do you want to go on a run with me? Mm-hmm. Because that's what I enjoy doing with other people. Yeah. I don't like going to get coffee with people because that's not, I don't, I don't really love that. Yeah. Tea, yeah. But coffee is like a weird one for me, you know? So even when people say that, I'm like, how about we do a juice or something or we do a run. And if you want to meet me in my comfortable networking zone, yeah. we can do that together. 
and not talk about work or how we can work together. Again, it's totally different in LA and meeting people than it is here. But I think my burnout on people started here within running actually and not finding people who just wanted to like just run they wanted to like talk about running and I was like I don't have time for that (laughs) at all um uh how has the internet changed your hustle (sighs) I don't even know if changing my hustle is the right word for it I would no but I'm I'm gonna answer it but just I'm gonna (laughs) gonna, like subvert it a little (laughs) bit you know the get into the semantics of it but like I basically have been on the internet since I was um, maybe 11 years old. Like, Where'd you start? Um, Chat rooms? Yes. Well, How'd, Which before, one? How'd you get So in? before AOL, there was Earthlink and Prodigy, the mm-hmm. dial-up CDs. Whew. So I'm like that OG. My dad was like, he's a civil engineer, but he's always been like techie nerdy. And when I was in my K through 12 days, he would, he would build us PC computers from Ooh. scratch, like buy all the parts. It was cheaper. And he just liked nerding out. And so he was like, there's this thing called the internet. My friend told me about it. And so like we were early adopters. And so then once AOL came along, then I was in the chat rooms and the instant messenger. Um, ASL? All the ASL. Had a couple awkward stints with cyber sex. Did, did it do really well at very it? Very early. In very <laughs> early. Yeah. I don't know what this is. I, I had internet friends before social media was a thing that I yeah. actually met in real life. Um, I was really young, so probably a little dangerous. What were you on before MySpace? Uh, what was it called? The Friendster? Oh, okay. That was the first social network, yeah, to yeah, my yeah. knowledge. I mean, if, aside from, like, probably, like, dark web weird shit. That well, yeah. I'm so. like, friend, was that the same time as, like, Asian Avenue and Black Planet? Yeah. Because I was on Black... I was on both. I, I didn't you know. feel like I could be on Black Planet, but I would have. <laughs> I was on both. I wasn't supposed to be on Asian Avenue. <laughs> oh, word. I but I went to though. school with, with all Asians. So I'm like, look, this is my community right oh, here. Yeah. Cambodians are sexy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made my... <laughs> <laughs> I loved me some Filipinos. Um, and a Samoan? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I I learned to, I taught myself how to code by view, viewing the source code of other people's um, websites. Yeah. And there was Dreamweaver back then, which was like how to use your interface and it was easier, but I wanted to do it the hard way and be a nerd. So I would code from scratch on, on text pad or whatever the text was, like, straight raw code and so I had my own website and it's like you know at that age you're like what the fuck do I put on my website I'm 14 and I have like a little bio and I'd have a photo gallery and I'd have a guest book for my friends to sign and like was trying to start my own like web design business and actually did design a couple um websites for a couple local musicians I mean so I've been on the internet for a minute yeah and um for that, it's like before I was a working person, before I was an artist, um, you know, uh, so the internet, the evolution of the internet has evolved my work in different ways, but the internet in many ways has always, before I was old enough to be a business person, has been my business in yeah, certain ways yeah. through my various evolutions. And so, I mean, maybe one pointed way to answer that question is how social media because that as a distinct evolution of the internet um that happened amidst me being a business person um social media is like you know i can't even use the word love hate for a long time i use the word hate hate yeah i think i'm evolving out of hate hate to like hate (laughs) (laughs) um it's kind of like a maybe necessary evil is too strong of a term because I'm, i'm really trying to unpack 
how to have a healthy relationship with social media and social media addiction is something that I had to really admit to myself last year. And yesterday I had a few books come in that I ordered. Um, Do you have moody bitches? Did we talk about this no, yet? No. I was on a panel with, uh -huh. about this yesterday okay. at nice. Ad Club and it was literally about disconnecting to connect. It was uh -huh. Max Tossel, uh -huh. who is basically an engineer who worked for Vine and mm -hmm. everything else. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the science of what they do in order to yep. get inside your mind and make you look at your phone for two minutes and how to hold your attention and how they like how engineers work on that so hard um, from yeah. Instagram and how they have all of your information. Facebook has everything, how long you've hovered over everything, all of that. Mm -hmm. And then myself, and then they had Julie Holland who wrote the book, Moody Bitches. Mm -hmm. And then they had another woman, um, Heidi Hackerman, I believe. Okay. And she founded an agency. She's worked in agency world forever, but her agency is all about setting boundaries. And she's mm -hmm. like, I force people to go on vacations. Mm -hmm. I make them like take blackout vacations. I yeah. don't give them a bonus unless they take a vacation. I love it. And if they check in, if they email during their vacation, that's not, not considered a day. Like right. I make, I just do all these things to make people understand. And I write it into my contracts with my clients as well, that like, we're not going to do that. So mm -hmm. Julie in the book talks about just our oxyto oxytocin levels of seeing these things and what's leaving our body and how we're not really connecting in the right way, how we're supposed to have these like serotonin sensory overloads when we see these things and we're not really experiencing real things when we look at our phones. And yeah. so we're feeling this, but we're not mm. try totally having a full experience within it. And so we're totally like diluting that experience and not able to really connect chemically the right way that we're supposed to mm -hmm. because of the internet, because mm -hmm. you're supposed to totally experience something all the way through and have an emotional connection mm -hmm. and go get that out and all these things. And we don't do all of that. Yeah. And she's like, most of us are in bed with like our phone, like literally having like sex with our yep. phones because we're releasing the chemicals that we would mm -hmm. in that experience, but it's just going into technology. Yeah, I'm really trying to unpack that for myself in terms of um, the addictive behaviors that I have around it. And I think that's it's most, if not all of us have unhealthy behaviors with social media. And yeah. it's a matter of really wanting to confront that. And then a really interesting thing that I found is it's such a new space. So it's a new area of study. Yeah. And I, in reading about social media addiction, I found out that gambling was formally ruled an addiction um, within the psychological community in the early 2000s. It takes decades really? of formal research um, and study, apparently historically, for an addiction to be formalized. So imagine in this meantime, before, you know, the, the formal studies can come out and declare social media addiction a real illness or, or challenge for us to work on, how much these companies are going to continue to avail, mm -hmm. you know, and take advantage. And so, yeah, these few books that I got just really break down how the Internet is changing our brains, how it's rewiring our brains, rewiring how we connect, you know, the, these younger and younger generations, you and I had still an analog experience for half of our lives. Yeah, um, opportunity but, to use our imagination. Yes, and, and connect in person and be in person and to, there was a such thing as going outside to play. Play outside, yeah. yeah. Get in contact with dirt. <laughs> yeah. Which, side note, and I, I don't know, are you allergic to anything? Like, uh, like pollen. Okay, yeah. yeah. So a lot of people, and I don't know, this is my mm -hmm. theory, mm -hmm. don't let their kids outside to play mm -hmm. and just eat dirt. Because we ate dirt when I was younger. 
I ate, really ate a mud pie in my life. And then I see people and they're like, my kid can't go outside. My kid can't do this. It's like, stop using hand sanitizer and precious. let yeah. your kid outside to eat dirt. Yeah. Feed your baby a carrot with dirt on it. Yeah. That'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, these kids, you know, these these like Gen, what is it, Z kids, or and like you know, uh, the younger millennials or whatever, have like are growing up with less empathy. You know, ability to connect. They don't know how to connect because they they're having on a neurochemical level perceived sex on their phones. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't need anybody. I don't need a friend. I just, you know. So it's um. I want to get to a place personally, going back to your initial question about the internet and business, I want to get to, I've, I've taken, um, cold Turkey social media fast and ultimately every single for a month, two, three at a time over the last few years. And every time I've signed back on, it's because I've had to promote something for work. Yeah. And the thing is there are people that can succeed at work without the internet. Um, I don't personally want to be those because it, it, it is a lot more work and yeah. I appreciate the internet. So I want to get to a place where I can be around these things that are tempting to me to engage in healthy behaviors and come to a point of health. And again, embodiment where I can engage with them in a healthy way to help my business, because I do think that they're helpful. There is a lot of power. There's messages can spread so quickly yeah. and then use that very conscientiously simultaneously with analog and offline connection as, as you're so big on with your work with undo, yeah. which I think is amazing. Check out, you know, yeah. like how do you break the algorithm? Yeah. A piece of paper. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Every yeah. great movement always had a newspaper behind them and mm. not saying, you know, we're going to change the world tomorrow, but that's how you do it. Everyone has always had a newspaper, some kind of periodical that yeah. they've shared within their community in order to get messages through to them without yeah. having the outside eyes in mm. and trying to stop them. Where can we find you next? Where can people find you <laughs> if they want to ask you to be their friend? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, my website is seher.co. That's my first name. And my Instagram is also just my first name, seher and how my, does that feel having my first name just as a person yeah just having like your name involved in things like I don't think about that uh, when I like you know it's your website and it's yours mm, yeah how does mm-hmm, it feel mm-hmm. that's a good question um so close to a decade ago when I decided to leave my um or start building my photography business I was stressing out about how, coming up with a perfect name yeah. for my business because I'm like oh my god my identity's tied to it and I would just like jokingly, lovingly sign my emails to my close friends as Rahess, my name yeah. backwards. And so I was talking to a friend of mine and I just offhandedly was like, I don't know, Rahess Creative, that sounds dumb. And I was like, I want it to be like Lotus something and like mm-hmm. be spiritual and profound. And I just don't know what that is. And he was like, yo. And I was like, I can't have business cards unless I have a business name. And if I don't have business cards and a website, because I need my business name for my website too. I can't have my business. And he was like, motherfucker, call it fucking rehearsed creative because that's not that bad. And it's what's in your head right now and have a business. If you want to change your name later, you can. And so that's what I did. I never really loved the name. I had it for close to a decade. And in 2016, um, I had for the previous few years been um, feeling intuitively called to change my business to just my name. I was teased for my name a lot growing up, have a lot of hair um, before, you know, 
being brown and the various brown features that we all have that are distinct were cool and in vogue and before big curly and being hair was celebrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I was, I experienced a lot of racism from, um, people, uh, you know, black, brown, white, all included for just the ways I didn't fit into different constructs. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I have hairy arms. I have big hair. I was called Chia Pet. They used my name to call me so hairy. It's a hair. It's a hair. Like, I mean, it's, people didn't, just all kinds of shit. And are so, horrible. Yeah, I had so horrible. such trauma when I was growing up. And so um, I didn't like my name. Yeah. I wanted it. I asked my mom at one point to legally change my name. Um, and... So I think, yeah, a few years prior to 2016, I had just been percolating this thought to um, that I, I felt ready to come into my name. Yeah. And my name actually means um, Sahar is in Urdu, which is from Pakistan. And Urdu is derived from Farsi and Arabic. And in Arabic, the, the same name is Sahar, S-A-H-A-R. Mm-hmm. And um, in Arabic, Sahar means... Um, dawn or awakening mm-hmm. and I, I was around the period that I was like amidst mm-hmm. a spiritual awakening and I'm like wow like I am a light I am a, a a vehicle to awakening like I'm into that yeah. and I'm gonna call my business just my name as a as a means of self-acceptance and embodiment of the power of my name Sahar in German means seer like you know so I mean that's why it takes some time yeah I'm same I mean <laughs> I, I got a fun name. They used to call me vodka in school. Oh so gosh. that's all I had to deal with. Hey, come here, vodka. Um, amazing. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for hanging out. Where are you it. going right now? Tell them where you're going, even though we're going to uh, air this later. Oh, my God. Um, it depends on what time it is. I might go to a, a pitch night, a women's pitch night at the wing or down the street. Yeah. Um, I'm an entrepreneurship nerd, so I think it'd be interesting to hear what people are um pitching and you know it might get a little bit of work in between spots because this is new york and the work yeah, never yeah. Stops. yeah so you have a wing membership do you have a membership yeah. anywhere else i used to be at new house for a couple years but i feel like it's too snooty there i call it kind of like the soho house of workspaces so yeah. i stopped having a membership there a year about a year ago i have an all-access membership to the wing i think it's really just like a nice community vibe everyone's like really sweet there each location has a different energy soho is definitely a more head down work manhattan fast-paced vibe dumbo is very airy and chill and um flat irons kind of a combination of the two um just for our listeners this Mm -hmm. woman asked she let me come on her membership (laughs) and take a shower (laughs) <laughs> on a day when I came to New York for 24 hours and I was funky and tired and going through so much. And she's like, you can come take a shower here. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And the wing saved my life. You saved my life that night. Oh, I, I can't believe I did that. But, yeah, that happened. Thank you. This episode of Undo Radio is presented in partnership with Listening Party. Follow the crew on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market.